Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Yes, people, Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate. And listen, uh, this week we're going to be talking about Eurasia's chorus album, uh, following on from Simply Red last week. Another big pop banger for you. I think we were both quite looking forward to this one going in, so uh, have a check it out, see what we made of it in the end. Um, I'm pretty knackered, guys, I can't lie to you. Um, I've had an absolute week of it. Basically, my first night of my new business was on last week. Uh, it was in Alfriston, Cook Me a Comedy Club. Uh, we had a really good night, actually. Uh, people really enjoyed themselves, apart from uh, one lady who got really, really drunk and offended by something that a very inoffensive headliner said. But a fucker, basically, is what I'm going to say. She then uh, didn't know how Facebook worked and sent me a very scathing uh, review, although instead of posting it on Facebook, she emailed it directly to me so I was the only one that could see it so uh, well done you and lay off the alcohol basically um guys yeah so belly loss comedy is my new business venture basically what we do is we take uh, professional level uh, comedians into rural communities put things on in places like village halls and things like that so we get the same level of headliners that you'd get at a top comedy clubs for example at Comedia in Brighton but you get it in your local community so if you've got a community uh, that's suitable for that please do get in contact with me I can look at the viability of bringing one to you uh, also do full service bookings for pubs and things along those lines work with comedians from uh, the very top of the tree to the very very lowest branches which is where I would include myself um, but yeah, if you want to get in touch with anything like that, feel free to do so because I need to make some money. Um, apart from that, I've got a puppy on Saturday. Um, yeah, her name's Banjo. She's another little corgi. And Waffle's dog is currently not really enjoying her company very much. He hid from her all the first day and he's keeping his distance. Uh, things are starting to thaw slightly, I guess. Uh, and I think, you know, within a few weeks, he may be able to entertain the idea of tolerating her at some point. So, yeah. Anyway, guys, um, this is going to be the second from last episode that comes out before Christmas. We'll be back next week. Uh, and then we're going to take a couple of weeks off over Christmas because we need to, basically. And uh, then we'll have a couple more episodes back into next year. We're going to do two specials. Uh, this year, we're going to do a hip-hop best-off special. We're going to have a uh, our friend Rob Mulholland, I think, should be joining us for that one. And then we're going to do a best of 1991 as well. So got some specials to look forward to coming out early next year. Uh, and obviously, we'll take a couple of weeks off then and then break straight back in with 1992, which is one of the best years for music all time, in my opinion. Anyway, uh, no further ado, guys. Get in contact with us with any takes that you've got. Uh, all of our socials are at the end of the episode. Thanks again and speak to you soon. <laughs> Yes, yes, people, Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate. And listen, I am joined, as always, by the wonderful Mr. Krista Greer. Hey, everyone. Uh, we don't have Waffles Dog with us. He's out on his walk at the minute. Yes, he's getting some uh, exercise or 
getting out of the way. Yeah. Possibly. You know, there, there was a partial, oh, we should really take the dog out for a walk from you. But then there was also, but that would also be handy because he's being quite noisy. Yeah, I mean, basically, just long story short here, today we are uh, looking at Eurasia's Chorus album. Indeed. Uh, and I was listening to this album earlier, and the dog was in the room, and there was something about the songs that he was responding to and barking at. It was maybe the synths that Vince Clark is using maybe. or something on here. I, either that or it's rampant homophobia in it the Corgi. It could be homophobia in the Corgi community. They are very Tory dogs. Yes, that is very uh, true. Not that I'm saying all Tories are homophobic. But all homophobes are probably Tory. There we go. Um, okay, so this is an interesting one. Back on uh, pop, pop territory. Yeah, it has been a while. It really yeah. has been. This is the 18th episode we've done in 1991. Yeah. And the last, maybe, what, five have been really guitar kind of... Well, apart from last week, we did Simply Red last week. Oh, true enough. Okay. So Simply Red was in the kind of the, in the pop oove as well. Yes, but we are, I mean... This is even more into pop, definitely, isn't absolutely it? Absolutely synth pop. Yeah. Well, this is right. Okay, so here you go. Erasure. That is what they are known for. Synth pop. They are very kind of electronic based. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they are known for their sound. That's what they do. What is your kind of take on Erasure in general? Before you listen to this, yeah. What was your your story with Erasure? Well, I mean, I know Erasure from pop songs in the eighties. Obviously, that's peak pop time for me. Yeah. You know, kind of Ship of Fools. Uh-huh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Stop. All of those kind of Stop big pop tune, songs, yeah. right? I've never listened to a Eurasia album, mm-hmm. but I've enjoyed many a Eurasia single. Well, indeed. And, and the singles, again, this is, you know, an easy in for me because they were all on the Now compilations and that sort exactly. of thing, weren't they? Yeah. And so each time I got a new Now That's What I Call Music, there was probably an Eurasia single on it in the late 80s. Exactly that, exactly. So um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going into this as open-minded as I can be. Mm. Uh, I'm hoping... what I'm ho- some fantastic songs, yeah. let's face it. You know, so hopefully you'd, you'd be like, all right, this is number one album. Uh, hoping, yeah, hoping to find some big kind of pop classics in here. Um, yeah, going in with a very open mind, I would say. Good. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, same here. I was very keen to be pleasantly surprised by some songs I didn't know. Because looking through this, whenever we were doing whatever that top ten was, whenever mm-hmm. the, one of the singles came up, and I... Kind of remembered it once I heard it. Yeah. But if you'd said to me, sing uh, Love to Hate You, it was. Yeah. Wouldn't have been able to. Not a clue. It wasn't one of the big ones I remembered. That's it. And uh, But again, the funny thing about that is, because I think I was the same at the time. I don't think I remembered it at the time. But I have had it in my head a bit since. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so when, and this, when, this, when it came on, we got to the album, I was straight back into it. Is that right? Yeah. But nice. we'll, okay. uh, again, we'll get to that. Look, sure. so as we always do... Mm. Um, we start with the album cover. Yes. All right. We, we don't have a copy of the album on this one. Charity, charity shops are Let me down now. Let me down. I have a feeling, because again, they've got a number one in around about 1994 yeah. again, and I think I've got that one, mm-hmm. but I couldn't find chorus in any well, way. I, I te- I'll tell you why, though, mate. I think it's actually um, illegal to give a Eurasia album to a charity shop in Brighton. <laughs> Is that right? I think it's, yeah, I, I think it's, consi- <laughs> it's considered a hate crime. <laughs> See? <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, Eurasia are very much, uh, very much uh, royalty within the LGBT community, and uh-huh. fucking fair play to them, mate. Fair well, play indeed. to them, indeed. Okay, so we are looking at a a picture of the album cover mm-hmm. online, and I I've actually got a little bit of a soft spot for it. I think it's I think it's okay. Um, I think it's pretty ropey in terms of you know actual artistic. Merit. Merit, <laughs> yeah. But it's quite funny. Well, look, this is this is my take on it. Uh-huh. It's got kind of a sci-fi stroke horror. Th- thing almost isn't it because it's got uh mm-hmm. it's it's a, a 
picture of both of their faces, uh, Vince Clark and Andy Bell's faces, yep. done in a kind of a, a, a greeny, orangey hue, and it's cut off so that you've got a kind of almost X-ray, but not quite X-ray because you've got more detail in their view of some of their skull and their and half of their the, brains. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, I, those images themselves, I quite like those images. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you've got a logo on the other side, and it was all on a black background. Well, I, well, I say I, I like the images, but I'm not. I don't really like the composition. I think. Yeah. I think they could have done more with those images. You know? Okay. I guess it's a little bit of reminds me a bit of some of those like kind of React label clubs, oh, clubby sure, bits. Yeah. It's got a little bit of that kind of like slightly simplistic well. ravey kind of thing. Yep. Certainly the logo with the orange and the way that the words are written. It's got a little bit of that kind of early nineties okay. techno vibe to it. Do you sure. see well, that? I can, I can absolutely see that. Um, it, it looks like they've gone. It, it's. It looks like it's all like you say, sci-fi and computer generated. Yeah, you know, they've gone. The, the, some of the the faces, it almost looks like they're kind of cyborgy mm-hmm. as well. You're looking into a RoboCop style half and half your face there, um, and there's the E's in the background. There's just the letter E, uh, you know, repeated over and over in the background. Yeah. It looks like it's kind of a computer screen or something like that as yeah. well. Maybe it's just because it was 1991 and that's what you thought you had to do if you were going to be a little bit futuristic. Well, it was time for the guru. It was. It was indeed time for the guru. Looking at this, I think, oh, is this going to be a slightly darker Eurasia album? I thought that. I thought maybe they're going for that more dark wave sound. I mean, obviously, you've had Depeche Mode having mm-hmm. some success. Uh, well, a past, lot of success well, by 1991. Yeah. Indeed. And Vince Clark obviously has form with Depeche Mode. Oh. He was in the band for three years, wasn't yeah, it, I think? Yeah, Was he a founder member? He was a founder member, yeah. absolutely. He wrote uh, a lot of their early hits before leaving the band. So maybe uh, he is not following Depeche Mode at all, but maybe he is also going, yeah, I want to explore some darker territories sure. as well. And you can certainly you can hear some, you know, the, the, I don't think that'll be the last time we mentioned Depeche Mode while we no, dis- discuss this. So, yeah. I mean, I guess for anyone who is totally unaware, uh, Vince Clark, who is the the keyboard player and the musical mastermind behind this this band, yeah. he was in Depeche Mode, mm-hmm. if I remember, like we said. He was then also in Yazoo with Alison Moyet, yep who had some really big hits in the 80s. He then uh, disbanded them and formed The Assembly in sort of 83, 84. And they didn't have much success, if we're honest. So he moved on from that and started... Disassembled them. Disassembled them. There you are. And he he put an ad out looking for singers for a new project. Andy Bell was one of the people who replied to that. Mm -hmm. And after, like, apparently interviewing about 40 people and auditioning them, he finally found someone he thought he could work with in Andy Bell. And they then went off in about in 1985 and wrote the first Erasure album. Right. Uh, and so then uh, Vince Clark was quoted as saying things like he was really happy to find someone he, he could actually enjoy making music with again because yeah. it had become a real chore. He wasn't enjoying what he was doing. And so it, it, it was a, a big kind of new lease of life for him to have Erasure as the project. However, the first album did not take off like they thought it would. The first three singles, which include, right, Who Needs Love Like That? Right. Which I remember really well. Yeah. Uh, to get reissued then, maybe. Maybe so. Old Lemur, not yeah. a big one. Yeah. And uh, Heavenly Action, which I don't remember. Those were the first three singles. None of them made top 75, right? They flopped hard okay. on release. It wasn't until the fourth single, I think it was off their second album, sometimes it was a hit. But they had a long period of time where they were actually just releasing to nobody, which I'm surprised about. I thought they were a hit I mean, out of the box. Literally, name of my sex tape. <laughs> what? Releasing to nobody. <laughs> <laughs> also, 
<laughs> also, flopping hard after release. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Anyway. Uh, right, okay. But, uh, so yeah, I was just very surprised that it took them so long to become kind of pop stars. Yeah, I thought they were instantly pop stars. Well, I, it's I it's interesting, isn't it? it? Because when when you think of perfectly distilled 80 synth pop, mm-hmm. it is, it's difficult to find a better example Oh, but they're, they're one of the ones up the top. Yeah. I mean, fair enough, you can have Pet Shop Boys, obviously. Mm-hmm. You can have Depeche Mode, even though by the late 80s, they were starting to go down a darker route. Yeah. Um, but Erasure, for pop singles, when you think of, like you said, Stop, that is a great pop song. You know, A Little Respect, absolute classic stuff like this is a to z pop perfection yeah, absolute just like kind of yeah mm. like beautiful bubble gum basically yeah i mean i fucking loved stuff like blue savannah and that when it came yeah out. i mean i remember not liking blue savannah at the time but i've certainly mellowed oh, yeah. on that as as the years have gone by right uh, but there you go it, 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 they started off very slowly as it turns out but then um their third, fourth, fifth, and sixth albums all went to number one. See, so, that, what does that say about the music industry then, though? That they, mm-hmm. the first album flopped, and they were able to get to third, fourth, and fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because uh, they were signed to Mute Records in the UK. Yeah, but obviously that's because uh, Vince Clark, Depeche Mode, were on Mute as well, so he's got a relationship with yeah. the label. And Mute, I guess, are one of the ones I would give props for letting bands develop yeah, and absolutely. having belief in an act rather than just going, well, you're not making money, fuck off. Yeah, I mean, Mute are almost like the uh, the gold standard UK mm. large-scale indie, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. Like, yeah, kind of big distribution, but yeah. a, a roster of artists that kind of Virgin. did what they wanted to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. But, no, no, fair play to them. Um, uh, so this was number one only for one week in the week of the 20th of October 1991. Mm-hmm. Um, we will be looking at a two-week time period when we're doing the albums and singles because Simply Red went back to number one yep. for a week after this. So we've got a little bit of extra time to look at what else was happening. Yep. But it was, you know, I thought, to be honest, I thought they might have got more than one week at number one because they were a big act in 1991. They were still really, you know, riding high off the 80s success. Like I said, the third and fourth albums had been number ones as well. This was yeah. their fifth one. So they're still doing big, big business. I mean, maybe it's because, you know, they've got a fan base. They're doing big numbers to their fan base. Obviously, you've got a longer yeah. tail on that. But maybe it's, look, you haven't, probably you haven't got one of the biggest crossover singles on this record. No, that is true. There wasn't a hit like, let's say, Stop or A Little Respect. That is exactly. true. Sure, yeah. But, yeah, they were still, they were, you know... Uh, they got the what was it? We had an email from one of our friends, Darren, yes. um, saying he saw them back then uh, in their well on this tour in nineteen ninety two, I guess. And he was saying that they did like seventeen nights at Hammersmith Odeon. Yeah, that and that's nuts. It's seventeen nights 17 at Hammersmith. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, yeah it was, obviously the Apollo now, but the Odeon sure, at, yeah. at the time. But yeah, fucking hell, seventeen nights. Yeah, that's. No. I mean, you know. I think the interesting thing is there that they chose to do that as well rather than do like a like a stadium show or something. Okay, yeah, true. Yeah. And I think this this show, from what I can remember, it was called the Fant- Fantagosm... Oh, fuck it, I can't say it. Fantas- Fantagosm... Oh. Fantasmagorial. Fa- fan- oh, yeah, fuck it. That word, right? <laughs> uh, experience. Yeah. And I think it had really kind of 
big high production value. So I don't think sure. they'd have, I don't think they've been take it to a a bigger venue like well, that without okay. totally redoing no and, the and jig. scaling it up like a motherfucker. Yeah, so like, I'm going to read this email from Darren out. Yeah, oh yeah, because yeah. I, I, I got in contact with him, asked him to send this in. Sure. Um, just explain briefly who Darren is for everyone who doesn't know. Yeah, Darren and I have known each other since we were 11 years old. He's pretty much my best friend out there. I, yeah. I love that dude dearly. Uh, we went to a lot of metal gigs together in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Darren that was with me when I was looking for the song Saboteur from Metallica. Yes, quite. Okay. Uh, so Darren was a bit of, uh, you know, kind of a, a metal alternative music, a rave buddy as well. Yeah. Kind of going through. Never really loved his hip hop, but, you know, kind of liked his heavier end of stuff and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. However, right, this story starts in a slightly different place. Okay, it says, in 1991, my musical taste was starting to develop, guided by the taped copy of Queen's Greatest Hits 2 and The Mighty Hysteria by mm. Def Leppard. Fucking Matt, that boy loves Def Leppard. He really does. Yeah, we'll get him on for Adrenalize. Yeah, because that's going up, actually. That's next Next, that's 1992, yeah, it was yeah. number one. I, I was, uh, oh, fucking hell, Darren, have you really written this? I was 17, and in my first serious relationship with a girl, I started to see it at high school. Uh, she was into a lot of the synth-pop stuff around that time, and so we listened to a lot of it. I wasn't really a fan of Pet Shop Boys or Eurasia, but we were sexually active, and I'd have listened to anything if it meant I was going to get some rubs. Get what the what? F- mate? Some get rubs. Get some rubs. How old are we? Oh, Dar- what's happening here? Darren's 43. <laughs> get some rubs. Get some rubs. I love you, Darren. Never change. <laughs> Oh, oh no. In the summer of 1992, Eurasia toured the country in support of their chorus album uh, and their Aberesque EP, which they put out uh, later. Massive hit that was. Yeah, yeah. it was huge. Uh, this tour included a 15 night run. It, it wasn't 15 night, mate. I counted it, it was 17. Uh, at Hammersmith Apollo in London, I got us tickets for one of the nights and diligently listened to as much Eurasia as I could stomach to prepare myself for the show. With the exception of a few wedding bands, it was my first proper live music experience. Uh, it was certainly the first gig I'd ever paid for. Whilst I was looking for to a new experience I wasn't massively excited about the show it was a seated concert expectation was it be a theatre experience and people would remain seated watch the show and went go home uh, on the day of the gig my dad dropped us off in London fair play dropped us off outside the venue and I was immediately aware of an atmosphere a level of energy I wasn't expecting people in the queue dressed up drinking smoking weed having a great old time my excitement level rose Lights went off, curtain drew back, and Andy Bell arrived on stage wearing riding a swan. Oh, riding a okay. swan. Yes, of course. He says that casually, riding a swan. Sure, you know, wearing a massive feather boa. This was not my thing. He says <laughs> well, that would be a shock to the sense. That's your first gig. That would be a pretty big shock to see for your, your first event. This was not my thing, he has written, though. I mean, I feel the lady does protest too much, right? <laughs> he goes, but I was drawn in. Andy Bell's voice sounded absolutely amazing, and Vince Clark's synthesizers were singing the slow-paced rhythms of Siren Song. At the end of that song, a massive cheer went up, and I specifically remember thinking, holy shit, that was amazing. By mm. the time they got to their Aberesque segment, the entire audience was singing along, dancing on their seats or in the aisles, high-fiving strangers and enjoying one of the best nights ever. It was a party atmosphere like I'd never known. Uh, people were removing their tops to spin around their heads. A big crowd had gathered around the stage, leaving the seats empty. Men were kissing other men. It was simply incredible. I loved it. The loud music, the production, the audience reaction, dancing, shouting, singing. I was now a Eurasia fan. Whilst my next gig, Metallica, wherever I may roam to Wembley Arena, would ultimately shape my musical preferences more, this Eurasia concert will always hold a very special place in my musical memories. And I tell you what, I, wow. I, I remember at the time, we were, as I say, we were kind of 
16, 17. And I remember taking the living piss out of Darren Fagantis of Eurasia because Uh I was that prick at that time, right? But listening back to that and hearing that story, that sounds like a much better fucking experience than most people have. He had the best time. That's a fucking brilliant eye-opener of live music for you. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And he probably got his rubs. And he probably got his rubs (laughs) off a man with his top off. But... And that's fine. That's fine. Jesus Christ. Um, Yeah, I mean, look... Fair fucks to you, Darren. You yep. love that stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah we, we, he and I have experienced many gig adventures over the years. Seen some of the best gigs I've ever seen with that boy. Love him to death. Big shout out to Darren. Thank yes, you for mate. taking the time and writing that email in. Yeah, good lord. Lovely stuff. Anyway, should we crack on with this album? Yeah, might as well. I don't think I've got anything else really to add to to the backstory. No. Uh, apart from, did you know that Ola Moore, you know the the, the single that flopped? Yeah. Whenever they covered the by Dollar. Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, and it's also Erasure's only hit in France. Well, there you go. The French apparently just don't like them. Well, no, it's just they only like songs written in their own language. <laughs> oh, Lemur. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Let's uh, crack on then. Track number one is the title track, is Chorus. And this was the first single released off the album as well in June of 1991. Got to number three in the charts. Yeah, so we've got this kind of almost kind of ravey kind of sounds a bit like a, the wickedest sound by a Rebel MC. <laughs> okay, but then it gets very jaunty very quickly. Yeah, I mean this is classic Erasure. Yeah, this is exactly. If you played me this snippet and went, who do you think this might be? Erasure would be in my, yeah. you know, my head. And that really is a very lovely Andy Bell vocal. Yeah, yeah. No, this one works for me. I think because. <laughs> that, 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 that's almost like futuristic. No, it's, um, it, it, it sounds like the fucking Transformers. Oh, does it? You know the noise oh, of Transformers, mate. Transform, okay. <laughs> as a uh, as uh, that, that noise. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that it sounds like the Transformers. Noise. Okay. It's almost like you know in that uh, Lil Wayne song uh, with Chris Brown, "I Can Transform You." No. That's a fucking great tune. I hate that song because it makes me like a song that's got Chris Brown in it. Uh, yeah, that's your But look, issue. here's this chorus, man. Yeah, there you go. I mean, if you call your song chorus, it's got to have a great chorus. Yes, but well, this is totally totally delicious. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really good... It's a bit of a key change going into it. Yeah. And, yeah, sing-along chorus is a catchy one. And that's the thing, you know, this guy's got... You know, when you bear in mind, you know, all you've got here is what Vince Clark's doing and... Uh, and Andy Bell. Yeah. I mean, this guy's got the voice to carry this shit off. Oh, definitely. I mean, well, I would say, in general, yes, absolutely. Yeah. There are some songs on here where I think I don't quite enjoy what he's trying to do. Yeah, that's true. But with this, absolutely cr- cracking. Really good. <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, lyrically, there's some kind of eco issues in there, possibly, oh, I guess. Okay. Uh, I wasn't really 100% I... sure what, what they were about. Neither was I, mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to say that quite often because yeah. I don't know if this is an album of lyrics, really, no. if, if, if that makes any sense. Obviously, he's saying stuff in every song. I don't think it's an album that you go, oh, and it really fucking spoke to me. Yeah, I mean, I think I think possibly if you'd been hurt in a relationship recently, yeah. this album may speak to you more because there's quite a bit of there's, that. There's a few of those, definitely. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, look... There's loads. The, the the first Depeche Mode comparison I'll say is, yeah. uh, you know, listen to this through headphones, and again, there is an awful lot of detail going see, on okay. in the production. Right? That's that's the, you know the difference between some dickhead with a Bon Tempe doing synth pop and someone you know like Martin Gore or like Vince uh-huh. Clark who would detail people. And you go, you know, you can tell he's really gone into the detail of what of what he's doing. These songs are all pr- like most of them in general are pretty intricate. You know. 
even if you mm-hmm. don't like the song overall, there's generally some kind of sound or something that will happen within each song that I'll go, oh, that's interesting nice. Going yeah, on. There's something interesting going on, okay, for sure. sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I read he found flaws in the commonly used MIDI process that would be happening yeah, at this time. Yeah, I read something about this and then didn't understand it because that's not my area. Well, I mean, I think what he was saying is using the MIDI sequencing, right? This is this is what I got from it. And, you yeah. know, I mean, this is... Uh, I mean, I am not a fucking expert either. But he was saying that when you had, like, uh, multiple notes trying to go through and being passed through it, mm. uh, the MIDI wasn't quite sophisticated enough to do it and it would make some of them... It was They called it MIDI drag and it would make basically make the notes kind of go out of the sequence that you wanted if you were had All right. if you so if you had like a like a little riff that was multiple key hits right right like one of those fast ones like yeah do, 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 like that yeah oh yeah so something where you change around this is what I understand from it if yeah. if, if, like, if you're a MIDI expert and I know we've got some people that know this shit then listen, get a life get, yeah. get, get, get in touch <laughs> um, and I think I think that's he had a problem with that so he couldn't carry out some of the the, the, the passages that he wanted to do so oh, okay. he used a different system which had its own limitations but he enjoyed working with those limitations more. Right, and this was the first time he'd done that as well. He'd stepped yes. away from the previous, like you say, the MIDI ones that he had done on all the other albums, yeah. and this was a new type of system for him. Yeah, and apparently there's there's no layered chords on this album because oh. because the system that he chose wouldn't cope with that. So okay, so that's you know that's what how interesting that is. I mean that's you know Wikipedia one hundred and one really. Sure, but, well yeah, and I read it and just kind of it, it went straight over my head because I didn't get what they were trying to tell I me. But I think the thing you can take from it is you go okay, this is a guy that is is adapting equipment, adapting processes to do to deliver the thing that he's trying to do. This is someone right, that's yeah. deep into this world, and that's why you've got so much texture across some of these songs. Okay, uh, and he's trying to push it forward and trying to manipulate stuff to what he needs it to do rather than just being held back by the what's in front of him. Exactly. So ra- okay, ra- cool. ra- rather than it being, okay, this is, you know, the, the, the criticism, obviously some people think synth pop is it's easy. It's like you just get a keyboard, you program your sounds, and yeah. you go like this. And whereas the people, the real masters of this genre are... Comes the Gang, for example. Yeah, Comes the Gang, for example. <laughs> are just fucking around with things, manipulating things, ripping circuit boards out of yeah, things. They're, and yeah, indeed. Doing they're, what they're inventing the next levels yeah. of... And it's all about sounds often kind of more about sounds necessarily the melodies if you see what i mean okay i get your point that even if there is if the tune isn't necessarily to your taste you can appreciate what he's how he's got it and how he's yeah. made this piece of art absolutely okay. but i think this for i think this is a really solid opener for a track sure. a nice nice slice of uh, of pop yeah, yeah, perfectly yeah, happy no, with I think this. this is, I think this is one of the better ones for sure. I, I can see why it would be the first single. It works for that. Um, lyrically, again, I'm not entirely sure. It, like, it may be something about hoping for good times that are coming and wanting something to be better yeah. after a sort of a dark period or whatever. Like you say, broken up with mm-hmm. someone at the end of a relationship. But in general. I wasn't that fussed about. Oh, I don't understand this because I was just like, yeah, I, can, I, I hear what you're yeah. saying. It's a, it's a catchy tune, absolute pop music. Yeah, you, you, you walk away from this song, humming it. Okay, cool. Okay, so track two is called "Waiting for the Day." Oh, there's that noise again. So we're into a slower tempo. Yes. I'm not sure about that particular noise he's using on the keyboard. It's a little bit too close to panpipe for me. Uh, I know what you mean, mm. but I do think there's—I do think there's a lot of really interesting synth stuff in this track, okay. in particular. Okay. 
I see, I really like that. I really like that vocal. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think that's really nice. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh, so I, I like this one quite yeah. a lot. There's, there's some, I'll tell you what there is in this track, though. We're not there yet. Okay. Because right? I, I like that little verse at the start, uh-huh. and I like that little bridge. And I like that as well. Yeah? yeah that's nice, yeah. Oh, no, right, okay. But there's a lot of really nine-inch nailsy sounds on this. You think? Yeah, there's, there's, really? a, there's a breakdown on here. I fucking I can't remember which track it is because it, it sounds so reminiscent of one of the breakdowns on Pretty Hate Machine. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. Huh. But it's definitely not this bit. No, it's not this <laughs> bit. <laughs> right. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Go, go a little bit further into the track. Okay, hold on. See if I can find it. Right, that, that that, bit. Okay. That's pure nine inch nails. That is okay, now that definitely I can see that. Yes. If I maybe is it what's the it maybe it's breakdown off of one of the things it might be downward spiral actually. Uh, it sounds more it doesn't sound like pretty hate machine, it sounds like even off uh when, when closer is getting yeah. more in, Maybe you know. that maybe that's the thing that I'm thinking of, that kind of bit. breakdown of the bit of closer, yeah. Mm. Anyway, but yeah, so um not a not a nailed on classic for me, but nah. I I perfectly happy with it as solid album track. Okay, I thought it was a bit too middle of the road for me. Okay. Uh, it was I didn't find anything to kind of get my claws into as a, a pop hook. Mm-hmm. Um I wasn't overly keen on the sound of it as well. See, I, so I, in terms of pop hooks, I think that you know, so I, I think that's a really nice little poppy hook. That that, that, that got into my yeah. head. I said okay. I also thought he said arrogance a bit weirdly. Well, he does say arrogance. There were, there were a couple of moments on this where he does phrase things in a way that I find a little bit jarring. There's one yeah. song in particular there's, that we'll talk about. Okay. Um, and there's some, some scansion issues for me as well. He says, like, sometimes he's cramming too much into a line. So what's the word? Scansion. Oh, I've never heard that word. Oh. Fucking well done you. There you go. Uh, so definitely, I, that's why I say sometimes Andy Bell's vocal style on this album makes me go, oh, that's a strange way to do it, or whatever. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. I, I like it when he's belting them out. That's, oh, totally. Yeah, no, that's that's what I, I want him to do. But, yeah, okay. gotcha. Right, All so, right, this one, I, I would say, this is this is more of kind of a four out of ten for me. Okay. It's not awful by any means at all, you know, but I think it's got nothing that makes me go... Yeah. Okay. Wicked. Well, I done. think four is hard, but I mean, you know, you, I mean, you got you got to go you got to go yeah. with your thing. But I mean, you think below below average? I, I do. Yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. I disagree. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, number three then. Joan. Joan. Strange name for a song. <laughs> I got an auntie Joan. So I had an auntie Joan. Yes, yeah. he's passed. Right. Now this sounds very Depeche Mode. Yes. Classic break in there. And I mean, th- this is an even slower, more down tempo song. Yeah. But this, this for me, I was like, oh, dude, really has got some fucking range on him. Oh, he's got range, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's some bits where you know the way he's going in the mm-hmm. line, and you can tell he's going to have to go quite low to mm-hmm. finish off this run he's doing. And I'm going, Jesus, mate, really? Are you going to be able to do that? And he does. So fair play. I really like the phrasing on this. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It's like kind of almost kind of half scatty. Like, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, I, I re- again, I'm really, really into like what he's doing yeah. vocally here. All right, okay. Yeah. Um, I whenever I first heard this, I just having it on in the background a few times. I this completely glossed over me. I didn't right. take any of it in. It was only whenever I sat down and properly gave it a listen. Mm. But um, I will admit, at the first couple, I was like. Not feeling this either, but this one warmed up in a bit. Yeah, I, I got I, more into it. I really like this one. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, certainly for the songs that aren't the big anthemic ones, this is one of my favourites. Right, I mean, this is more of a, a feel to it. A, yes. Yeah, rather than a, just a sing, sing, sing. You know, a lot of their tracks kind of straight up in that disco kind of bang, sure. bang, bang, you know, yeah. uh, disco tempo kind of. Uh, th- and this has got a little bit more groove to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got it's got that break underneath it. Uh, and, you know, you kind of you know, you kind of feel him outside of the constraints is kind of you know kind of playing with the rhythm a little bit with inside okay. it. Uh, yeah, I, I like this one. I think this is a good song. If what I'm getting from it is what he's trying to say as well, I like the sentiment because if what I'm getting is it's a reference to Joan of Arc. Yeah, because, you know it has to be because what other fuck? It's not going to be about Collins. Joan. Yeah, it could be. That's true. Okay, uh, but what Jet? It... Oh no, that would be a good tune. But it seems to be what he's saying is. Obviously, in your youth, when you're young, you are, you know, passionate about everything and you get fired up, literally, yeah. in Joan of Arc's case, and you, you, you've you got dreams and expectations. And quite often, you then give those up yeah. to get a job or to, um, you know, m- make the compromise you need to move into adulthood, that sort yes. of thing. And he's saying, don't do that. Don't close off your options. Don't get into a rut. Don't just give up on your youthful dreams because that's one of the things that makes you brilliant. Absolutely. Um, and I'm not sure there might even be a don't commit suicide. I mean, don't be burnt at the stake. Yes. Well, I mean, don't definitely don't do that. Yeah. I mean, that's that would be the best advice for Jonah Ark. Well, if someone had only fucking said it beforehand. Exactly. Yeah, we still, yeah. we wouldn't, well, we wouldn't have this song. And that'd be a tragedy for all of us. So, yeah. you know, I, I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think the sentiment of that is good. I'm being really glib when you're being serious. And yeah, yeah you're absolutely no, right. That's a lovely, that is a I, lovely I think sentiment. it's nice. I think it's nice. Um, the, like I say, it, it didn't blow me away on first listen at all. Mm-hmm. It got more into me. I still don't think it's fantastic. I think it's good. I think okay. this is a good one. Um, I prefer this to the previous one. And I understand that they can't all be, you know, big number one single types. Yeah, but so I mean, I think... has to be something else. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and, and you couldn't have an album of, of 10 singles. And I, I think given this a bit more... of. Yeah, well, and this is the best. I think, given a bit more time as well, I think I this one would grow on me even more. I see. Yeah, that's like, this def- definitely grew on me every time I listened to it. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I particularly like that one. All right. Okay. I do think it was a mistake calling it Joan. No. Oh, I do as well. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. Maybe that's because I've got an Aunt Joan, and she is lovely. She's one of the nicest, most fantastic people in the world. But I just think of my Aunt Joan when I hear Joan. I don't think of Joan of Arc first. I mean so, that's I mean that's you know very uh, very selfish of you. It is. It, that's on me. Yeah, but Fair then enough. again, Joan of Arc's never given you a Christmas present. It's on fuck all for me, mate. Exactly. What have you done for me lately, Joan of Arc? <laughs> <laughs> what have you done for me lately, Eddie? Right. Okay. Um, cool. Shall we take a quick break here? Yeah. yeah and let's get into some... some albums. Right. So albums. What we're looking at is the week of October the twentieth to the twenty sixth, which is the week that Erasure was actually number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top ten. There's not a huge amount of difference from what we saw in last week's Simply Red podcast. Number ten is Mariah Carey's Emotions. Number nine, so, just hysteria. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number nine is the Commitments uh, soundtrack. 
and which I must admit, I fucking loved that film. Yeah. Uh, in the summer of 91, when this came out, the film came out, I think I saw it in the cinema three times. Yeah. It was a big deal. Me and my mate just were so into it, we went all the time. And so when the soundtrack, I've got a very big soft spot for it. It was a lot, of, you know, all, quite often the first time I'd heard those songs, you know, I'd never heard Mustang Sally before yeah. the commitments. I'd never heard Dark Side of the Street before the commitments. And so those are my first experiences of it. And I still think they're brilliant versions. Do you think the, uh, it, it, was it just purely the whole, I can see myself on screen? <laughs> yeah. Hey, they were the Southerners, mate. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. don't, don't fucking come at me with your... Uh, oh, so, so it actually transcended your innate racism. <laughs> yeah. That's how good it was. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> Number eight, Paul Young's singles collection still hanging around. Number seven, Belinda Carlisle's Live Your Life, Be Free. Yeah. Uh, number six, Diamonds and Pearls by Prince. Record. Yeah. Uh, number five is Brian Adams, Waking Up My Neighbours. Four, Tina Turner, Simply the Best, Best Of. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, Kenny Thomas, Voices. Do you remember Kenny Thomas? I oh, two was Kenny Thomas. What did he have? I don't even have a note of what his singles were. Let's have, let's have he was one of those ones, he just looked like kind of a brickie in a suit. Oh, who'd right. been tarted up and got some hair gel on. Like, like an X Factor winner. Yeah. Uh, and was doing smooth UK soul stuff. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. But I, he had one big hit, I'm pretty sure. Thinking About Your Love? Oh, probably. Yeah, I think that's Thinking it. Thinking About Your Love, Best of You, Outstanding, all from 1991. Oh, Outstanding was another one. Uh, I mean, he's got a, got a, a Tender Love. No. Tripping On Your Love, 1993. No. But he's got, a, he's got an essential collection. Well... I think there's issues to be had with the title of that. Yeah, I would say so. Um, keep the fires burning re- from Return to the Playboy Mansion 2008. <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> okay, well, there you go. That's summing up Kenny Thomas. This time, I'm installing a boiler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Perfect. Nice. Uh, number two is Simply Red Stars. Uh, which, like I say, will go back up to number one yeah, the following day. week. Yeah. Uh, but we've done that already. So, if we look at other albums that are out in the two-week time period, mm-hmm. from October the sec- or, oh, sorry, October the 20th to November the 2nd, which is the week of Erasure's number one, and the following week when Simply Red went back, we got a few. we got a few to, to look at here. St. Etienne released Fox Space Alpha, their first album. Nice. Uh, which went into the charts at 34, peaked at 34. And I loved that album. Uh, it was. Did you of, love that album or did you fancy Sarah Cracknell? Why can't it be both? Well, there you go. Yeah. Fair enough. No, definitely. But I think so, some of the singles off that, uh, Nothing Can Stop Us and Only Love Can Break Your Heart, absolutely brilliant. Okay. Really fucking good. The rest of the album doesn't necessarily live up to those for me but i was really into it i, I loved that for for the time fair enough yeah, I've, I, I, I can't tell you i've ever really listened to any sanatian which i'm sure will surprise you no end no uh, quite um then also in the this two weeks carcass released uh <laughs> necroticism descanting the insalubrious oh this is such a good record and i know you're a fan of this look one. man this again look, look uh carcass at the time was my outlier of of the heaviest stuff I was into. I was never really, I've never really been an enormous death metal fan. I like, sure. I, you know, I'm not like a genre kid with death metal, but I do appreciate a really good death metal record when I hear one. Okay. And this is a fantastic, it's not for me, it's not as good as Heartwork, which is my favourite well, classic kind of album. classic one, isn't it? Well, I mean, it depends who you speak to. Obviously, oh, really? they, you know, yeah. That's they, the one they kind of play in full and that sort of stuff. It, it, it was their, it was their breakthrough. I mean, Heartwork right. was a big breakthrough. I mean, this is, you know, if you go back to, 
you know their, their previous record it's it's a death metal sound and in this album they start leaning in a bit more to the the kind of the the tech like melodic death metal yeah. sound a little bit more and like that's fully in bloom by the time we get to Heartwork but this has got a couple of cracking songs I mean it's, it's, I mean I like this album as a whole right? yes okay. but uh, Corporeal Jigsaw Quandary if you if you're <laughs> it's a good one for charades exactly if you're if you're <laughs> and Jigsaw isn't spelt normally it's spelt Jigsaw S-O-R-E oh, amazing <laughs> bunch of bunch of medical students mate bunch of medical yeah. students putting out technical death metal records um, <laughs> well, true if you like if you like riffs and you like fast riffs and you mm. like metal then you can't really fuck with Carcass. What other album titles have they got? They've got some ridiculous album titles, haven't they? Uh, yeah, they do. Um, I mean, I, I'm personally, I mean, like uh, Necroticism, Discounting the Interlubrious. You can't oh, really. That is. Go. You, you really have to work hard to come up with that one. I feel. Yeah, you really do. I mean, that's. Uh, uh, that's almost like you've just thrown a load of uh, Scrabble tiles into a box and picked them out. Yeah, uh, so uh, the 1988 uh, record was called The Reek of Putrefaction. That's the one I remember, yeah. I mean, uh, Symphonies of Sickness was the, uh, the the predecessor to this one, which was, uh, yeah, kind of, again, really getting into the death side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, they put out then Heartwork was the next one, and then Swan Song in 1995, which is the one that's not as... I mean, I mean, it's had a bit of a reappraisal, but that was the one that was not considered as good. No. And then they came back in 2013 with Surgical Steel. Oh, okay. It's really... Reek of Putrefaction is the one I was trying to remember. Reek of, uh, I think Reek of Putrefaction, if I remember right, I can't remember. One of them had a scratch and sniff uh, album cover. Oh, my Lord. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, <laughs> There's a marketing tool that's underused. Yeah, they they they, they, they weren't fucking around. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, there you go. That came out. This week, like you're in the middle of Saint Etienne getting a hit there, Erasure being number one, Kenny Thomas coming through yeah. to represent UK Soul, and there's Carcass. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this is, I think this is the interesting thing. Again, we're talking about what a rich bed of music we're into at the minute. You yeah. Know? You know, like Nirvana came out last week, Red Hot Chili Peppers came out last week, Carcass comes out this week. It's all of these, you know, these bands that are going to go on and define genres in sure. many, many ways. You know, I mean, it's going you know, to Carcass are a uh, are a genre defined in band, and like, like if you're a death metal fan and you don't agree, don't you don't have to write in. I can't like. Oh, do write in, but address it to Dave. Oh no, just don't I, like arguing. Arguing with metalers on the internet is one of the main reasons I stopped listening to as much metal. I just <laughs> I became so angry. Really? I, I, you know, I, I I love metal music and I love loads of people that are into it, but there is well, such a fucking body of cunts in there well, as like, well. Feel free, like I say, maybe don't. Uh, go on to the Pop Collaborate and Listen Twitter. Just go on to Dave's personal one and fire your opinions at him on there. Uh, I'm going to read out Chris's work email. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Just uh, come into his pub in person. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) Right, okay. So after Carcass, the next one I've got noted is MC Hammer's Too Legit to Quit. Um, yeah, which is uh, ironically, I think the uh, the record that was the beginning of the end of his career. Well, it peaked at forty one in the yeah. UK. I mean, it did a lot of business in the states. Yeah, he he, he but... had a, he had a longer tail in the states. He was, I yeah. mean, he was a bigger phenomenon 
in the US than he was over no, totally. here. Totally redefined a lot of things. It was, yeah. you know. I yeah. mean, and it did cross hip-hop over into the mainstream for in a the, lot of people. In the biggest way it had ever been done before. Totally. It was the biggest selling hip-hop artist at the time. Yeah. Uh, which Previous to that, it was Tone Loke, I think. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, previous to that, it was Young MC. I just, I knew this stuff at the time. Right. And it stayed in my brain. Uh, but this is it. He was, uh, you know, a big deal in terms of making the genre popular. Yeah. Whether or not he did good for the genre is a you know well I mean knows, you but... got, you got to bear in mind by you know within a year of this you'd have yeah, Naughty by Nature being one of the biggest acts in America right. you'd have uh, Doctor Dre's Chronic being the out, yeah. biggest fucking album in the you know in in the country for a long long time so you yeah, know this is this is a pure primer for what is going to come well true indeed but uh, like you say this this album he probably thought this was going to be another world beater yeah and it really really wasn't i mean i don't think i've ever heard it oh why, no absolutely not i couldn't even tell you what the singles were off it but this is the thing you know this is what he did he you know by the time you know once you primed that that thing and people go oh, what else is out there mm. by the time you come back with your thing people people have moved past what you're doing sure well indeed here's some more albums that were released this week uh del the funky homo sapien i wish my brother george was here that came out. Right. Uh, I remember the lead single, Mr. Dobelina, obviously yep. very well. Really liked that. Uh, Black Sheep, Wolf in Sheep's Clothing, came out wow. this week. Um, and the big one off that is uh, The Choice Is Yours. The Choice Is Yours. Also uh, also got one of the best lines uh, in any posse cut of all time uh-huh. uh, in this in this track. And I'll probably mention this again when we do our hip-hop special. Oh, of course, yeah, we'll do our but, but fuck it, I'm going to say it now uh-huh. anyway. He's, a, he's, he's got a line uh, in one of the tracks, and he goes, um, I've got a dick that I brag about. I put it in fast and then I drag it out. <laughs> Classy. <laughs> Made me fucking crease up when I heard that. Yep. Uh, and obviously, you know, that Dell the Funky Homo Sapien, like Dell Del is a fucking astonishing MC. Really? Uh, you know, most of you, well, say, if you're not into hip hop, the thing you probably know him for is being the rapper on Clint Eastwood by the Gorillas. Yes. Uh, Ice Cube's cousin. Yep. Uh, and a member of Hieroglyphics, basically, who would spawn, you know, who include Domino and uh, Souls of Mischief and that kind of sure. West Coast kind of lyrics. Collective. Exactly. Fucking enormous, enormous influence on, on me in hip hop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that first Dell album's that good. I mean, I didn't never heard it at the time. I only had the single. Oh, I had I, it. I heard it years later, and by that point, I was like, "Well, this is this sounds like it was made before you know six years ago, whatever." Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's dated that well. Yeah. Was Ice Cube the producer on uh, Mr. Dobelina? Uh, good question. I'm not sure. Possibly. Anyway, but not that's sure. yeah, that's that's that. But yeah, but, if you're not listening to Dale, go and check out. It's, 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 it's some great stuff. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of Ice Cube, Death Certificate came out this week. Okay. So yeah. So that's the, the big hip hop album, mm-hmm. really, and that's the difference between MC Hammer and his crossover stuff. And then this is coming through. You got Death Certificate, and it was a big album in the states as well. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely, it started off the started off the whole kind of. Well, did it start off the beef? Or did it continue the beef? There was the whole message to the Oreo cookie, message to yeah. uh, Benedict Arnold, all of that stuff. So that was you know that was working in both of their favour. That was getting them With the NWA stuff. Yeah, the NWA yeah. getting them airplay. So yeah. Some context there. Ice Cube, <laughs> member of, of NWA that left. Um, then there was some antipathy between them, NWA Very being the biggest so. group at the time. I, Death Certificate is an interesting record. Because you said to me in a previous podcast, because I have espoused that I fucking love Death Certificate, and you have said, go back and listen to it. Yeah. Because it's different to how you remember. It's got some tunes on it, but Ice Cube is, is most... 
antagonistic and being deliberately controversial. And there is mm-hmm. some stuff in there that is like, you know, it's kind of too much. Okay. And like even by hip hop standards, there's anti-Semitism on there and there's, yeah. you know, kind of uh, like stuff about Lil Korea, kind yeah. of, which is a pretty fucking racist song about Asian people coming into black communities. Right. Uh, you know, like no Vaseline about setting fire to Easy es Jerry Curl and all yeah. of this stuff. It's, you know, it's a very, very abrasive record, right? It's, it's, it's still, angry as fuck. It's still got some fucking great beats on there because there's still a load of Bomb Squad production yeah. and stuff on there. But, it's not America's Most Wanted. Okay. It, I mean, whether you ever thought it was or not, I don't know. I I had them on a par with each other, but that's probably because I was more into the beats than anything else. Well, look, let's. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to go back and listen to these records. That's true. We, and when we, we do the hip-hop special. Yeah. So we'll have this conversation then. Yeah, indeed. Okay, um, but it's, it's interesting that was out this week. Excellent stuff. So, yeah, again, really fucking fertile time for music. It really is. Right, well, let's go back into this record then, track number four. Number four is Breath of Life. This was a single. Yeah, this was the... Last single. Yeah, the fourth and final single. Okay, some processed vocals. Mm-hmm. Now this is kind of... This reminded me of like... First of all, I went Herbie Hancock, and then I went, oh, no, you know, this reminds me of fucking Popcorn by Hot Butter. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a good tune. <laughs> or, or it's also got a little bit of a, like, uh, there was a game called uh, Xenon. Oh, on, right. Xenon, Xenon 2 on the Amiga. Right. And it had, it was, and it had like a Bomb the Bass soundtrack uh-huh. on it. And it was kind of like 16-bit kind of sound. And it sounds a little bit like that chip tune kind of oh, 16-bit-y yeah. sound to me, this. I see. Because this sounds just like the, that, the... The synth sound to me just sounds like Depeche Mode. That sounds, sounds like straight up already Depeche Mode. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... De- I mean, yeah, you can definitely put that in that, there. That, this, I think, more than any of the other ones, uh, reminded me of the modes. And see, look, this is the pre-chorus that's happening now. Yeah. And I think this is a really nice pre-chorus. And I like the verse as well, but I think this chorus itself is a bit of a letdown. Oh, I see. I, I don't mind it. I think it's all right. I, it's not... This is another one where I think his phrasing is weird. I just don't... I, uh, this bit here. Oh, the life from Mars bit. <laughs> yeah, it really that, is. That's I'm weird. Sure. That literally just sounds like, is yeah. there life on Mars? <laughs> but, and, and then that... Doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo. I like that bit. I see what you mean about the, the chorus main. Yes. Yeah. It's not... Um, that, like that. That is a really nice kind of big pop verse and if you if you had that into that pre-chorus and then you had a really iconic vo- uh, uh-huh. vocal on that chorus I think you'd have a really amazing solid song but I just don't think he's quite nailed the chorus on it I see um, it gets a little oh. bit of Harold Fortemeyer after I think the second chorus as well did you did you Is, pick up on that I, when I've, I've made a note that I really enjoyed the synth solo at around about three minutes let's see if we can find that Look, look. Axel- oh, that is that is very Harold, For- yeah. Oh, and this is the bit I was, I was thinking about. That's almost like just can't get enough sped up, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, look. Like I, for me, I think this is a decent track, mm-hmm. but 
for being a single, for being one of the big pop songs, it's a little bit lightweight. It's not their best. So it's okay. Uh, for me, it's a near miss. All right. So I, I really quite enjoyed this one. Okay. Yeah, I got I got more out of it than you, I think. This is interesting. We're quite divergent on this yeah. one, aren't we? I, I did like the chorus on this. Um, I know what you mean that some of it sounds like it's a bit subpar, mm. but I think overall... I was I was impressed with this one chorus wise. Okay, see for me, I, I like the, the minor chords and the, that dramatic rise as well. So as a whole, I liked it. Okay, for for me, I think because I I I've really thought the verse and the pre-chorus were strong. You were disappointed. It was like oh, and this, instead of lifting me up, this kind of drops me down. Okay, and it's not what I wanted from it. Okay, okay, and that's just you know, that's personal criticism. I, I think I think there's some in, really interesting. Uh, bits musically in it like I really like that kind of Fulton Irie bit and yeah, I like that synth nice. solo as well yeah. Um, and yeah I, I kind of like that again that bit that kind of reminds me of Popcorn uh, and, and, and I must admit Popcorn is a ridiculous tune but oh, I do like it oh of course man yeah. it's amazing uh, so yeah I, it's, okay. you know I, again it, I, that's a that's a, a seven six, oh, to, six. six to seven for me fair enough I'd go seven to eight on, uh, on this album okay uh, I also in terms of what it's about it seems to be about Someone who's previously gone through their life just not caring or not looking for meaning, hopping from uh, one sort of meaningless relationship to another, mm -hmm. but then finding love. Yeah. And going, oh, I see. This is now what I, I should this is the, be. This, this is, is the breath of life. Precisely. Yeah. And the whole metaphor is about being underwater mm -hmm. and then coming up for air and finding that this is what life should be. Uh, stuff like, it starts off with lines like, I never had to call the tune because I always drifted with the tide of the moon. I would go out every night looking for someone to treat me right. So yeah. just drifting. Absolutely, Absolutely. You know, just taking where life takes you. Yeah, bad relationship, bad relationship. Exactly. Looking, looking for the same thing, not finding it. and Yeah, um, but then there's the euphoria of finding what you didn't know you'd been looking for yeah and suddenly it's there i like that i thought it was a nice and the, the breath of air metaphor and it, i think that worked for me you're too. digging deep on these lyrics this week man i'm enjoying what you're doing well uh, yeah it, 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 won't, it won't last okay. i'll warn you all right well let's get into track number five uh, it's called am i right just quite atmospheric here we've got a little bit of the regulate about it <laughs> ah this is the third single as well this was a single too I must admit, I'm surprised this was a single because this is very downbeat. Well, I'll tell you, this is this is the one that I I find this very lyrically clunky. Yes, uh, and I it's it's kind of like a very I mean that line from my man in, in his twenties, right? Yeah, and it's kind of a very plaintive procedural story, and I, I yeah. think what they're trying to do is juxtapose a normal day and the, the mundanity of, an, of a normal day uh, against the absence of a lover. Yes. And like what an enormous thing that is for the individual whilst the world continues normally. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I got as well. Right, okay. But I, 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 I get that it's kind of... That part of what they're doing there is giving it this kind of kitchen sinky feel. Mm -hmm. But this just doesn't really do anything for me. No. There's, there's nothing in the tune that, that kind of anywhere. grabs me. Uh, yeah, it just feels a bit dreary. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I get that that might be part of what they're aiming for, and maybe I'm completely missed the point. There is a breakdown at the end of it that I quite enjoy. Oh, right. Uh, that was the bit that I, you know, as I said, with all of these tunes, I don't think there's any of them where I'm like, oh, I. I really don't like anything about oh, there's, that. There's something somewhere. Yeah, there's a breakdown towards the end. I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of quite quite decent. But I was very surprised that this was a single. Yeah. Uh, didn't don't, uh, there was stuff in here that I would call as a single before this, 
Oh yeah, um, but to be fair, this this was the lowest charting of the singles off this album. But yeah. it's still got fifteen. Sure, fucking hell, that's that's good. But yeah. that's that's fan base, isn't it? It must be. But I mean, I yeah, I mean, I would say this is uh, yeah, probably one of the ones I, I I'm closer towards disliking. Okay, sure. Uh, you know, as I say, there are bits on it that I like, but I I would always this would always be a skip for me. Okay, let's see if I can find the breakdown bit. So this is the bit you yeah you thought that's a bit funky yeah ba, 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 ba. right yeah yeah I like that that's okay that's fine I I kind of liked um, there's a synth noise that comes in about uh, nearly three minutes let's see if I can find that oh nice that, I, I but, thought that was very out of place well that's like a, that reminds me of a labyrinth. Okay. You know, <laughs> it was. It's like, yeah, just out of nowhere. Yeah. Bam. Oh, what? But that is like, what's that fucking song? Uh, dance Magic Dance. It's yeah. a proper one of them in Dance Magic Dance, okay. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> dance Magic Dance. Oh, very strange. But no, I, I didn't get much from that song at all, I will admit. No, I uh, didn't care about it. No. So track number six is called Love to Hate You. This right. was the second single. Yes. And this is the one we, we had on a couple of weeks back when it was in the top ten. So we've got a bit of fake crowd noise. Yeah, I like that. I yeah. think that makes it work. And this really, more than any of the other songs, this could be Depeche Mode right up until the point that uh-huh. Andy's main vocal comes in. Okay, sure, yeah. But that bit, yeah. That, that. And even that. Yeah. yeah, that could be gone. But I, I love that pounding beat. Yeah. This is a real, oh, this dance floor, you know? And yet you don't like Ramstein. No. That's nice. Brilliant. The this vocal's is, fucking wonderful. Fantastic vocal, I guess. Yes. That lyric, love and hate. Here it is. Love and hate. What a beautiful combination. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's probably about hate fucking, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it is about hate fucking. Who doesn't love a good hate fuck? <laughs> the person on the other end of it, usually. No, that's... Oh, that's a different thing. No, this is fucking cracking, mate. The, there's a, a drama to it. There's a minor chords. Yeah. This is again this little uh, pre-chorus. And, and there's a lovely little thing he does in the in the second pre-chorus where he puts an extra, extra line. line in. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's drama. S- sending the shivers and the quivers and the, yeah, 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 yeah. It's exactly. like, oh, that's drama. Yeah. This song is all drama, isn't it? It's all fucking tension and release. Oh. Come on. Yeah. And then yeah, this bit from I Will Survive. It, it, this is all. It, this is. It's half disco and half cabaret. Yeah. You know that that's. I mean, it's kind of high ca- high camp, isn't high it? Camp. It's, it's very it's nice. very arch in its delivery. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it's like you say, it's cabaret, it's pantomime, mm. it's you know, kind of slightly otherworldly, but it's really good. You know, it's yeah. the stuff that's great about a good super arch Queen song, for example, uh-huh. as well. Yeah. But you know, but then you've got that kind of instrumentation in there as well. It's kind of almost got a kind of a, a heavy ABBA theme, almost. It's, uh, yeah, the, the, I think there's a big ABBA influence in this one, as well as the disco like Georgie Moroder or something like yes. that as well. But I definitely see the ABBA, the, the just the big tune and the big chorus from that sort yeah. of thing. It makes me feel weird that I didn't remember this one because this is yeah. such a good song. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've had this in my head as well. So it's probably my favourite one on the album so far. Same here. Yeah. Easily. Right. Easily. Uh, it's this good hard disco bass, a four floor, just like from right from the start, just boom, boom, yeah. boom, uh, and then 
with that particular vocal line and that chorus it's a winner all the way yeah absolutely it's that kind of like downward scale yeah yeah no it's terrific mate really like this one and yeah like you said i don't remember it from from then i if you'd said was love to hate you a single i would have gone in my head that sounds familiar yes it was couldn't this song do it? See, I mean, I, it's, it's one of those things that I don't know because now it's become familiar to me again. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do yeah. remember it from back then, but you don't know whether... I mean, I don't fucking remember what I did yesterday. Yeah, true enough. True enough. Okay, that's, 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 that's track number six on here. And, yeah, I just think we've peaked from, from the start at this one so far for yep. me. Uh, right, so we'll do number seven. Okay, this one's called Turns the Love to Anger. Yes. Which sounds almost familiar to the previous song. Oh, well, quite, yeah. Okay, quite a low-key start, no beat here. Yeah. Just starting to build underneath. It's a big old build, isn't it? Oh, it's a long build. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, like Ray of Light era Madonna. Oh, shit, okay. Like kind of William Orbity Madonna. Now you said it. Yeah. Yes, I can hear that. Yeah. This is another one where I don't think his words are really fitting the meter. I think he's trying to sing too much over you know, stuff that isn't there. I think there's a couple. I think it's a this bit though. That's nice. That's right. Yeah. There's a flourish too many in. I think what he's got. He's, he's got a very simple thing, and he's trying. He's trying to do more with it. Trying yeah. To make that. And I think yeah, a little bit less would have been better. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So we've got. So we're starting building here again. But we've still not really got, we've not really got a full beat. In no, it still no, it's just very light on yeah. the beat underneath. Yeah. This is a very long build. This song. It's kind of. Yes, it's not. It absolutely is. Um, it, it, the theme seems to me about how the world is divided, mm-hmm. and we need to come together to, you know, to to be better and to make the world a better yeah. place. So very. Very nice sentiments again. We need to loosen up and try to understand the other people's viewpoints. Yeah, I mean that's, that's the idea. The idea of this, you know, we've all this anger that we're feeling is actually love, but it's right. just being misdirected because we're not communicating. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, we need to move forward and consider other other viewpoints. Again, you know, I think. I mean, I think they've stretched this build too long. Right. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's fun when it kind of gets in. You've got these kind of, there's a lot of kind of ravey high bits in here. You definitely mm-hmm. feel the influence of kind of dark, prevailing dance culture. Oh, yeah, sure. Sure, yeah. Whatever's come through. Yeah. Oh, and there you go. There's and there you go. Release. But what point are we at? at Two point? minutes 20. Out of a song that's what, four and a half? No, no three, three minutes yeah. 50. Exactly. I think, I, I get what it is. I suspect, I suspect. If you're watching that live and you've eaten a disco biscuit, you're going to have a lovely time indeed. I was thinking the same thing about seeing it live. Yeah. You know, I think this would be a fantastic one. And I bet you there's a light show. Oh, mate, I bet the whole place goes fucking nuts. Yeah, I bet. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Feather cannon. <laughs> Amazing. You know, it's centaurs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All that shit. Yeah. That's what you'd. That's what I'd want from an arranger yeah. show. I see, I see, so I, yeah, and I do see that. And I do see that that's probably a great live track. As an album track, I think it's a little bit lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the big dramatic notes. I do like a lot of it. I just think 
it doesn't make the best use of its time, perhaps. But condense it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, you know, or maybe make the song a little, you know, maybe it should be a little bit longer. You should have more of the meat maybe. once it kicks in. Okay. Okay. You know? I, I... Name of my sex tape. Um, <laughs> uh, I think my, my biggest issue with this one would be the Andy Bell vocal stuff. I think he's trying to be a little bit too verbose and saying overly wordy sentences when he doesn't need to. But I really fucking like when that kicks in at two minutes 20, when you're nearly two thirds of the way through, when it kicks in, I'm like, all right, sweet. But it's not a favourite for me. Fair enough, mate. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I did ask on the Twitter, by the way, um, before we go in and do yes, yes. singles, I, I asked people... Uh, Memories, as always. Oh, right, yes. We had a couple of responses here. Okay. Um, a guy called Jonathan Cooper, who's a long-time uh, correspondent uh-huh. here, it said, the last album by them before my musical tastes uh, began to change through my teens. Loved some of the songs on this, but didn't love it as much as uh, drama. Oh, okay. Okay. Right, uh, Steve Matchin, Matchin, Matchin underscore oh, Steve. Steve. Yes. Uh, my parents had this. Remember loving "Am I Right" and hadn't thought of, of this song for twenty years. Thanks for the nostalgia. PCL. Oh, right. so he, he was a fan of "Am I Right." Well, that was one of the ones that we weren't so keen on. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, that was the one. I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't love that. Uh, uh, Mr. Sorda Lee has been in contact. All right, Lee. Uh, not specifically about this record, but saying went on a derby road trip once. Uh, roller derby pl- uh, player. Oh yes, of course. Very yes, good yeah, roller yeah. derby player. Um, we sat in the car on arrival, singing loudly along to a little respect until it had finished. Oh, one of those ones where the songs are over, we can't leave until it's over. Exactly oh, that. Cool. Exactly that. Uh, and what else do we have? Ah, Abby Sylvester, who I've uh, met whilst recording the lovely and very fun uh, ADHD and podcast. Oh yes. I'll let you know when that's coming out. And she said, "Yeah, I remember. I was talking about the single uh, chorus. I remember chorus. being this constantly being played on the box. Do you remember that? Do you remember the box? That box? kind. Of- oh God, was." It was that free video channel. It was like kind of MTV esque. Oh, right. We oh, we had it at our old house. I did remember you? that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, oh, we did. did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's where I'm, I don't remember it from the early nineties. And she said, right. I, I think yeah. it had a really odd, garish video. I didn't watch it. Do you watch videos? I didn't watch these videos. Oh, I must fair enough, mate. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's oh, nice uh, that's wonderful, okay. mate. So thank you guys for getting in contact with us as always. Um, I'll always tweet out what we're going to be recording. Um, in the week so if you do want to get in contact have your tweets read out yeah, do cool. that you're always welcome to if you want to email us with a uh, a voice uh, note as well and we'll cut <laughs> we'll cut those in if you've got anything you've got to say put a bit of a dance beat under it yeah put a bit of a dance beat under it yeah and talk about your failed relationships Lovely. wonderful anyway let's go on and crack on with the single shall we yeah let's do that Right, single-wise, again, we're looking at October 20th to 26th on this one. Okay. Number 10, Lisa Stansfield, Change. How did that go? Well, see, I I was going to play this and see if you knew it, but I don't think any of us would get this. But you'll remember it. It's it's this one. I mean, it's generally what I'll say if anyone puts Lisa Stansfield (laughs) on. But you remember this. Oh, I do remember this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I would not have been able to sing it for you if you'd said, sing me Lisa Stansfield's Change. No. But th- I remember this. This, this was a, a big old hit for her, I'm pretty sure. I, I, ran, I was driving home from uh, from a gig uh, that I did, and I was in Jenny's car, mm-hmm. and uh, it only gets radio. Oh, right. So I was listening to Radio 2, because it's all I could get. And I heard Lisa Stansfield being interviewed, I think, by Trevor Nelson. Oh, I thought she sounded all right. Yeah, oh, no. mate, I reckon she's probably a wicked laugh. You know, she's a Rochdale lass. I bet she's good fun. Yeah. Don't like many of her songs. No. And don't let her go anywhere near your freezer. No. <laughs> or don't go anywhere near hers. For like... <laughs> <laughs> Is this chalk ice for me? Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Um, number nine in the charts is Salt and Peppers. Let's talk about sex. Uh, eight, Julian Lennon's Saltwater. Seven, Oceanic Insanity. Mm-hmm. Number six is a new entry, though. See how long it takes you to get this one out. Is that Dizzy? It is, mate, yeah. Vic Reeves and the Wonder Stuff. Vic Reeves and the Wonder Stuff, Dizzy. Yeah, this is their... This is when it was out. Number six it got to in this week. I thought it was number one, that song. It did, yeah. No, we'll see it at number one in the future. Oh, but okay. yeah, it went in at six. And that was fucking massive. Now, that was probably my real introduction to the Wonder Stuff. Uh, that was my introduction to the Wonder Stuff and and everything I know about the Wonder Stuff. <laughs> it was also the end. Yeah, yeah. It was a very, very short visit. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, number five, Monty Python's Always Looking the Bright Side of Life. Number four, Carried to Canada, World and Union. Number three, Scorpion's Wind of Change. Number two, Two Unlimited, Get Ready for This. And number one is Still, Still Brian Adams. Yeah, of course it Honest is. to God. Uh, so that's your top ten. Only a couple of new ones in there. But elsewhere in the charts, again, in the two weeks that we're looking at, this came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, baby, now. Oh, no, it's not. I no. thought I thought, I thought that was Bobby Brown song. Oh, no. Oh, no. yeah. No, it's not. It does sound like that, though. What is it? This is huge. It's, you know, probably your favourite artist with the word penis in her name. Oh, uh, oh, fucking, I know, yeah. <laughs> Um, what the fuck is her name? Peniston. Um, yes. Cece Peniston. Cece Peniston. Yeah, finally it happened to me. That's the very one, yeah. There you go. This, is, this first came, came out at uh, this point in 1991. Got to number 26, mm-hmm. finally. Uh, Cece Peniston. Uh, and, but then we, if we go down to number 51, we see something slightly different. And I must admit, I didn't even know that these guys released singles. So, I mean, who is it? It's, it's something very Sabbathy. Um, not Electric Wizard, is it? No, is it? What is it? Slayer. Was it Slayer? Slayer. Seasons in the Abyss. Oh, it's fucking Seasons in the Abyss. Yeah. Sorry, man. I should have nope. fucking taken my it, headphone off. I wouldn't have got that at all. Well, it's not until it kicks in that you. But yeah, it got to number 51 in the charts. So I'm feeling fucking knob about that. So, anyway. Yeah. Uh, the second week of the two we're looking at. Carter, The Unstoppable Sex Machine, released After the Watershed, which I can't be arsed playing. But another one at 51 in the second week, and this is a terrific song. I mean, it's not going to be one that you will know, I'm pretty sure. But Teenage Fan Club released The Concept. And this is a cracking tune. This is, you know, back whenever I was very, very first hearing Teenage Fan Club. This is one of the first ones that my mate gave me to listen to. And this is a lovely song. Yeah, see, I think 2000, 2019 Dave would like Teenage Fan Club. I think 1991 Dave wouldn't have. No, absolutely. Well, actually, I like the, the track they had on the Judgment Night soundtrack. <laughs> Which is obviously just exactly like the rest of their stuff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's all we have, really, single-wise. Uh, I guess maybe it's getting towards Christmas again and people are holding back all the big stuff, you know, being held for the best ofs and that sort of shit. Of course, mate, of course. All right, well, not yeah, not a vintage single. I feel yeah. like that's that chart just isn't changing much at the minute at all. No, I feel like it's been weeks of some of that stuff. It has, but the other thing is we've had a lot of one week uh, time periods to well, look at, so that it, is it's true, not we're mate. not leaping two months like we did at some points in the previous ones. Ah, uh, that is true. That's true. All right, well, let's crack back on yeah, with the, the last bit, last three songs of Erasure's chorus album. 
Okay, so this is Siren Song. This was mentioned in Darren's email as yeah. being the, the intro track. Yeah, okay. So this sounds like the intro to Poker Face. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Poker Face sounds like the intro to this. Did it? Okay, but no, I hadn't even thought of that. Mm. It does. Write this song. Don't get it. Well, it's very, I mean, it's very, very melodramatic. Yeah. This is probably the most melodramatic, excessive, silly song in okay. this, in, ter in terms of that kind of level of melodrama. Ridiculousness. That, yeah. Yeah. And this is another one where I think he's being overly, you know, again, verbose, just in, to, you're trying to say too much. You're saying words that you don't need to say. You can simplify it. Yeah, I'm not into that into this one, but there are bits I like. Yeah. I think... I, I like the instrumentation in this one an awful lot better than I like the vocal. So I'd, oh, I, yes, I agree okay. with you in that. Okay, all right. I think, there's, I think some interesting stuff going on, kind of falling and rising. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does get a bit sand dance in the middle. Did you even notice that? No. There's a bit in the middle where it goes, it's almost a bit like kind of. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, yeah. So it's a bit like a 16 bit computer game set in Egypt. <laughs> I see. You know? Prince of Persia. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a load of old balls. I really think it's just kind of. You know what? I, I think. What I did think go through it, loads of bits of the music, I thought, this sounds like something that Kanye would sample. Okay, I'll stand by my my original point. <laughs> I think it's a load of old balls. Oh god! Right, um, yeah, I, I, it's a wimpy tune. I think the lyrics are ridiculous. There's nothing to hold me on at all. No, again, I think there's some there's some bits of interesting stuff going uh, going on in the mix, but that's not enough to carry a song. No, I'm very surprised. Whenever you were reading through that email from Darren, he said this is what they opened with. Mm. This that's a strange one to Well maybe it's you know it's to. quite a long discanting kind of opening mate you know I don't yeah, know I don't know I just can't see this being in any way uh oh because it, it's not even a build up of drama no. I think it's just washes over you and it's a load of nonsense No I I don't get this one if nah. the truth be told all right so track number 9 is called Perfect Stranger A fade in Yeah I'm not a fan of fade in Why would you do that Is that a samba rhythm well, you mean just like the the button you hit yeah. on your Casio? That, 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 that's a samba beat, isn't it? Just a little samba. <laughs> Could well be. I've got very scant notes on this one. Yeah, I, I don't know at this point if I was just getting fatigue of erasure. Well, I I, 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 I wondered that as well, and I did listen to some of these songs out of order in case that's what was happening. Yeah. Um, and. I mean, this is another song about being burnt in love, right? Which is, if anything, the recurring thing. That seems this to album. be where Andy Bell is in his head, yeah. I mean, it's very much an album track. Sure. This feels very incidental to me. Yeah. Again, you know, there's a couple of little up-tempo flashes throughout it, which kind of bring it to life. Mm -hmm. But it just seems, it, it, it feels a little bit, you know, Eurasia by numbers. Yeah, definitely that. Absolutely. I think it's a bit, it's weaker than you'd want it to be. It's it's a diluted version of whatever else they've done. Yeah. Um, I, I, it didn't, 
didn't do anything to make me go, yes, I'll revisit this at any point. Sure. I mean, you know, come from this from the point of view of not being dyed in the wool, Eurasia fans. Perhaps if you are, yeah. this is what you're after. Yeah, uh, true. Perhaps that's, you true. know, that's something for the Pipe Faithful. You know, you put out a 10-track out, a, a ten track album, they can't all be singles. Um, yeah. But, again, felt very incidental to me. Yes, and I would skip this one as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Which is a shame because... I, well, I don't think the album is necessarily front-loaded. I don't think it's like uh, some of the albums we've seen where tracks one, two, three, and four have been the big ones. Yeah. I think they've, they've got some good stuff in the middle. It's a shame that this is tailing off a bit. I think this kind of track eight and track nine, yeah. I, you know, it's a bit of a dead zone on the record. Yeah. Um, track ten, final track, it's called Home. Home. Now, this has got very much an 80s soundtrack feel to it, I think. Oh, okay. But it, it sounded to me like they were trying to write a Christmas song. I can I mean, hear a little bit of that. I mean, because some of it is because there's lyrics about winter and ice, but some of, there's a, there's a bit. Is it coming up now? Where it's almost like he's got a choral thing going on. So like, this is another one of those the kind of the more poignant, dramatic ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know what? I think that vocal's nicely delivered. Okay. I don't see. I don't think that vocal. I think that vocal walks the line of overwrought a little bit, but it comes down on the right side of it. All right. Um, like, I like this more. It, it, it does. Obviously, it's not a big single. It's not. That's not what it's trying to be. Um, that, that little bit, that time will come, time will come, time will fall. That, that yeah. sounds to me like it's a Christmas again. Yes, I mean, I, I can see that maybe is the case. Yeah. I think that this is a decent closing track for an album. Okay. And, and I think, had it not been preceded by two tracks that I think are pretty limp, yeah. it would sound better in relief. It, I, okay. I, think, I think this is a good, you know... You know, to, to close down an album that is a mix of kind of the high energy stuff and some more dramatic stuff, I think this is a good way to close it out. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's necessary. I mean, it's not a track I'm ever going to go back to. No, no. Uh, it, I, yeah, like I say, I you know I like it better than the weaker moments on the record. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I've got nothing much to say about it. No, this didn't impress me. I uh, I think I'm similar that I preferred it to. Tracks eight and nine, Siren Song and Perfect Stranger. Yeah. It was a bit more interesting. There's a bit more something going on. Okay. But this bored me, even though there's more depth to it and he's trying to say something a bit more meaningful or whatever it is. Yeah. I was just very bored by sure. the song itself. I mean, maybe it'd be a grower. I don't know. But, I, but you know, I'm def- definitely for me, I think this last section of the album here, these last three tracks are disappointing. Yeah, that's the weekend. You know, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't need to listen to, to these three tracks, I don't think. Nah. Or yeah. even really, or, you know, or, or a couple of the ones. Yeah, but, yeah. No, the, the, I'd say this is definitely, you know, a maximum of five good songs and five a bit weak. Yeah, I, I would split it down the middle like that. And, and I wonder if part of that is why they ended up releasing that Avareski P. Maybe they were aware that it wasn't a strong body Maybe. of work. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But again, you know, it sounds like people were really into a lot of the songs live. So absolutely, you know, and we're not the core base of this fan, so we can only talk about it in terms of how it hits us. So yeah, of course. And having had nearly thirty years of other stuff in the interim, yeah, to go back to this as a kind of 
time capsule is not it's not fair to say and this is a bit dull yeah so i mean look for me it's a patchy album yeah it's not a classic album um it's nowhere near the worst thing we've listened to. No, not at all. And there's some really, really good moments on it, really strong well, moments well, on this it. Is because there are a couple of songs where we've got excited about it and yeah. gone, this is fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's, you know, head and shoulders above some of the stuff we've listened yes, to absolutely. so far. Yeah. You know, I was hoping maybe I'd find like kind of uh, a, a little bit more depth and stuff to, to go, like, oh, I'll definitely go and explore this and uh, go and explore yeah. this. I haven't necessarily felt that way about it. No, I was disappointed overall. Yeah. Uh, I was expecting more... For some, I think it because I was like, you know, if you look at the big singles, mm. if you look at you know their best of, if you pop their twenty greatest yeah. hits, that's a lot of brilliant stuff. And I have fond memories of listening yeah. to a lot of that in the eighties when it was coming out. I was hoping that I had because I had totally ignored this, I had done myself a disservice, but yeah. I don't think I did. No, and I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think the thing that's excited me most about this, is I think Darren's description of the live gig. I mean, I, I think right, I would. Sure. You know, it, I'm getting his rubs. If you, if you if your age were doing Pride, man, I'd fucking love to be there and see that. Oh, I imagine their shows are fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I'm keeping my top on. Them. I'm too fat. <laughs> no one wants that. No one wants no, that. No. I mean, literally, no one wants that. <laughs> Tightly your sex tape. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. All right. Well, that's okay. That's okay. fun. So we've got to put some tracks on this uh, playlist. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, just for context, if this is your first time listening, um, we run a playlist. Uh, you can find it on our Spotify account, which is linked to from our website, which is pclpodcast.com. And basically what we do is every album that we uh, review here, we pick a minimum of one, a maximum of three tracks to go on the playlist. And the idea is you will get a record of the best tracks for the number one albums throughout the 90s. Yeah. Some, some albums, it's been an absolute struggle to find one. Yeah. Sometimes it's been a struggle to cut it down to three. And on this one, I mean, I, I think we are probably both immediately agreed that we're going to go straight in with um, Love, Love to, to hate. hate You. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That, that's my, my overall pick. Okay. Straight up. Um, and I will be honest, I'm happy with just one. But if you want to put another one on, we can talk about it. I, I think I think one sells this album short a okay. little bit. I, I, I think I think the opening track, Chorus, yeah. earns its place on there. If you wanted something more album-y, I like Joan. Um, yeah. But, I, I mean, I would... No, chorus would be my second choice. Well, let's go with Chorus. Let's, let's, put, let's, let's put those two singles on there. Okay. Because um, uh, I, you know, I think they're good songs. Okay. I'm fine with that. I'm fine. I, but I think Love to Hate You is easily the best thing. Oh, Love to Hate You is fantastic. Yeah. I look, okay, for, we'll I look forward to hearing that coming through. So um, I'm also adding that into my best of pop compilation. Oh, I, I, that will fit straight in. Straight away, straight yeah. away. So um, we're, we're back next week. We are. We're back next week where, for the love of God, right. we're listening to Enya. <sighs> <laughs> what the hell's happened here? Uh, yeah, all right, 1991 what? is closing out. In a strange fashion. Enya. Yeah. Yeah. What the So uh... that's going to be interesting. And the thing is, it's the album Shepherd Moons. It's not even the one with Orinoco Flow on it. So who gives a... F- well, I'm okay. Again, I've not listened to it. It might be amazing. But seriously... I mean, Enya. yeah, you might, we might, we we might be talking about something else next week as well as Enya. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I so we'll give that a go. I wouldn't worry too much. <laughs> we haven't discussed this yet, but we'll, no. we'll talk. All yeah. right, uh, all right, guys. Thank you for joining us as always. Thank you for all your uh, messages on Twitter and Facebook and all of those great things. Please keep them coming in. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. Uh, pod, the downloads have been going uh, crazy the last few weeks, so thank you for everyone that's been yeah, sharing. Actually, them. That's the point, man. I think I put it up on the Facebook. We got to number three yeah, in, in our section of the Apple Music podcasts. 
which is the highest we've ever got. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, Thank you, guys. I, I, I'm pretty pleased with that, guys. I mean, this, you know, it's, it's our little podcast. You know, we don't we don't do enormous numbers, but uh, we really, really do way, 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 way more than we ever thought yeah, we would do. So, so good on you. Thank you so much for for listening, guys. Genuinely, uh, does mean a lot to us. Keep um, spreading the word. And yeah, keep spreading the word. And you're and you, no. Um, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We're on Twitter, at PCL Podcast, on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on PCLmusicpodcast at gmail.com.